But Sam's sentence doesn't end there. It has a comma. <laughs> comma. Though I was much vexed. Yeah, he's vexed a lot. <laughs> he has that much That dude vexed. gets vexed so much. That's a he word is, that has come up quite a lot. He is vexed. He is vexed. So he tells, and you, you know, your George Costanza thing is getting better by the minute. <laughs> I'm, vexed, tells Jerry, Pat- I'm vexed, Jerry. I'm vexed. Oh, she's getting vexed. <laughs> Don't you get vexed? <laughs> Welcome to Nerd Episode 399. It's a podcast. With a guy and a guy and a guy. I just learned that uh, it's possible to rotate your little zoom likeness around <laughs> 90 degrees at a time. That's going to come in handy in my next meeting. What the hell's wrong with Mike? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is what you do, Mike. Um... You spike your hair up <laughs> straight. Sure. Um, and then uh, put, a, put a Zoom background behind you so that they don't see your room. Uh-huh. Um, and then start upside down. <laughs> and then rotate myself back right side up and then be like. Oh, just, just, just literally hang out upside down for like 10 minutes. Like, like nothing's <laughs> happened. If anybody asks you anything weird, you'd be like, what? Like, oh wait, the the blood is rushing to my brain. I'm st- starting to get heavy headed. What's the opposite of lightheaded? Yeah. But uh, who's that guy that uh that's there that taught us that you could rotate yourself ninety degrees at a time? It's in the year of our Lord fifteen hundred and six, we set sail from the cold bay of Cork. It's Jim we sailing away with a cargo. Good morning, greetings, and happy Saturday morning. Jim always teaches me things. This is Craig, by the way. And this is Mike. <laughs> so excited. Yeah. Like, like we're just getting ready for the show and all of a sudden Jim's little video box flips 90 degrees and then flips another 90 yeah. degrees and then <laughs> continues all the way around. We're like, oh, that's that's a thing we can do. I had no idea. I, I can just do it the whole show and just do the I'll be doing box switching raves over here all show. That'll probably be helpful. But on get the get the get the the kid in there to like flick the light off and on to get like a strobe going. <laughs> Just like that. That's what I like to do. I think that contributes, especially to a podcast no one can see. <laughs> yeah, it's, we we've just enjoyed the. Uh, we talk about it. We've done it a bunch of times now, where we talk about like what we're seeing, because that's become a thing. Um, well, as long as we're good and descriptive about it, it really that's doesn't true. matter. That's true. Everybody can imagine it in their mind's eye that they may or may not be able to actually visualize something in. As we discussed, the mind's eye, not everybody can actually see things when they close their eyes and imagine something. Sure. I'm still just flabbergasted by that. Some people, because I, I don't. 
And some people literally will like close their eye and like, okay, imagine Mike, picture Mike. And they'll close their eyes and they'll see Mike, like just like he was there. <laughs> I don't, I don't see that. And now Jim's playing with filters and has a, oh my god, some sort of little two leaf plant thing growing out of his very tall forehead. Oh, now he's got the the eight bit okay, sunglasses okay. on. We're not going to do this the whole episode. <laughs> I won't. All right, very how, good. How have I not found all of this stuff yet? Oh boy, this is this is what is this like? Uh, this is an app. This, this is some kind of an app that does this. Is but this, how is you... this in Zoom or is, do you yeah, have some other filter it's, it's, it's thing It's in Zoom. It's it is? Right in Zoom. Yeah. Good Lord. See? That's fancy. What is that? Are those golf balls? Those are golf balls. See, because now, <laughs> see, this is the thing with Zoom. I, it's a we frame don't of use golf Zoom balls. at work. We're a, because we are government, we are a go-to-meeting facility, okay. which has a very staid and honorable reputation for being, I guess the word I would say is corporate. Sure. Is that the right word? And, sure. and there's a lot of folks that speak highly of Zoom <laughs> that speak very highly of Zoom because it does things like being able to put your face inside an antique television set. <laughs> like Jim is doing right now. Yeah, I, I, I will stop right now. There, I'm done. Um, but it, it's, it's, it is, I wonder sometimes if the people who want Zoom don't want it because it's got all the, oh, see, now Greg is doing his VR glasses. <laughs> Goggles? Scuba Ski goggles, yeah. 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 Oh, pirate! Ah, he's a pirate. Nice. There we go. I patch over my glasses. <laughs> That's that. That probably is what happens. Um, this probably doesn't work on my old ass computer. But where are you guys finding this? It's under stop. It's actually on on, on the PC anyway. It's under stop video. And for uh, for whatever reason, that's not exactly the most intuitive place to put it. Oh, it's okay. under stop video. Oh, Craig has a mask now, and he's got another. There are two types of mask, and he's a cat. It's under stop video. It's video settings. And then there's backgrounds and filters. I'm swimming with the whales. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that. I don't get to have fun with you guys. Yeah. And okay, it's, I'm done with that. Oh, I rather like this. This is, <laughs> this is elegant. The, 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 the mid-century modern yep. room where I'm now a You're... wall photograph. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I, I, you know, this is, this is where, this is to whence we have come. To whence, this is to where we have come. This is to where we have come using all of our technology and all of our intertubes and our billions of dollars in investment so that I can put a cat face on. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, but then again, that is what the internet is for, pornography and cat pictures. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> yeah, you, well, uh, you remember Eric March, don't you, Craig? Yes. Eric is Man, a, that is a callback. He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's really good dude. Yeah, lives on Boston now. I've lost touch with him for years. Baston, Baston. But I remember having a conversation once. He actually worked in some capacity or had familiarity with the the back then. And I I don't know the architecture now. This would be two decades ago. Um, but he was talking about the well for the internet, one of the major hubs of the internet that was in Evanston, Illinois. Okay, and he was talking about the fact that in the vicinity of 85% of the traffic they were monitoring on the whole bandwidth was pornography. This is pre-Netflix, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think so. Now, right, it was. It certainly was. But it just... And he also said that when you look at most of the technological innovations that have come particularly in the area of video, it's been porn. 
Yeah, I bet the the dent that streaming non-porn video has put into that isn't as big as you think it would be. Oh, there's a bunch of stuff that porn, like I saw a list once of like the stuff that porn has made happen technologically speaking, like pay, paying for things online, porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was that. that was pioneered by porn. Yeah. Our favorite yeah. VHS tapes. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. No. And it, it's, it, it's like I said, it's, it, it is, as, as I've said for a long, long time, if it vanished tomorrow, it wouldn't make a big difference to me, but I'm also not one of the people that has sought to ban it in his life. Just because, just because I remember being a third year Latin student at Marquette University High School here in the city of Milwaukee and getting the list of dirty words in Latin (laughs) so we could translate the graffito at Pompeii and Herculaneum and realizing that we've been into this for a long time. (laughs) There are an astonishing astonishing number of colloquialisms for the sexual parts of the human body there's there's cave paintings of cavemen a bunch of cavemen watching a caveman and a cave woman doing it yeah so (laughs) that's a lie i don't know that is that is that true (laughs) no no maybe i wouldn't be surprised it's it's, but i I have no i have no proof to back that up craig said that thinking it's a lie but it's probably true porn i am not doing that no i I, I am I thought my high school <laughs> Latin teacher was fun, but jeez. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. That's, that's Mr. amazing. James Greenwald, the immortal Auk beast, who uh, it uh, yeah. just it just he was an incredible guy. He he had certain physical deformities. He had a, a lazy eye and a speech impediment. He was large. He was I, I would say about sixty percent deaf, but he knew how to teach Latin to young men in a way that he uh, he lived at his mother's house his whole life. He had a two mile walk home and back every day to walk to school to teach us. And what he wanted to do was teach young men Latin. That was it. And, and, and he did, and he did it in a way that it was so good. In fact, that the university of Wisconsin at Madison, a couple of times contacted him and said, we will hire you to teach our introductory Latin students and pay you a lot more than you got at a parochial high school. Never wanted it. Yeah. All right, here we go. It's true. Australian cave paintings, 28,000 years old, clearly shows a couple having sex. Clearly. I, I, I want to know. They're going to have to, I'm, everything else I would be fine with, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to insist they prove that adverb. For the record, um, they are doing <laughs> standing up doggy. Nice. <laughs> well, see? Well, they did. They didn't have memory foam yet. Wow! Right? They didn't have foam. <laughs> they didn't have memory. Anybody who wants to look it up, look for <laughs> Aboriginal erotic art, Ooh. erotic rock art that proves twenty eight thousand years ago. Yeah, there can, you go. Yeah, so, so can you can you so order that, that as that's a? Kind of been my point. It's like you, you, it sounds to me. It's just. <clears throat> well, no, I feel more strongly because I actually like booze. Um, but it's one of those things that. Well, George Carlin has that famous bit about who do you think the guy was that first came up with the idea of smoking marijuana? Some guy who was standing alone in the middle of a field going, this can't be it. (laughs) And, and, you know, figured that out. So it's, you know, we don't know where these things come from, but they seem pretty deep rooted in our, uh, in our lizardy brains. Well, speaking of uh, VHS tapes and porn, um, but 
not the porn part of it, just the VHS tapes. I finally got to see the video from the Kickstarter that I backed, the documentary of The Last Blockbuster. Here it is right here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my Blu-ray DVD combo, so not a VHS, obviously. They're not selling. I think you could have gotten it on VHS if you wanted to. I did not opt for that. But I got that. I got a poster, which I haven't taken out of the tube yet. I got a uh, official T-shirt. This is what they wear in the store now. They don't wear those silly polo shirts like the one that I still have somewhere from working there. I got a Be Kind Rewind button. And I got an actual, sorry, it's mirrored, but this is the Bend, Oregon Blockbuster membership card. Oh, now and they're still, they're they still open. They have endured. As yes. far as I know, yes, they are. They even had a little, a little blurb in the, during the credits, the closing credits okay. on the movie talking about how they're, they're still open. Um, right. And they, they I've showed. Certainly seen, I've seen interviews with them. They showed the, uh, you know, they've got the, the arrows. In you know the like the tape arrows on the carpet, so that you you only go one direction down each down the aisle and all that. Their oh, website okay. has listed mm-hmm. as one of the new releases the last blockbuster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would, and I, I kind of have a wall of them actually, but that's me. I highly yeah, I yeah, highly you, recommend you a shirt. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend or a tote bag that you watch it. It's like um, it's not quite an hour and a half long. Um, they got Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. and and some other reasonably um decent sized names involved for interviews and things it's good look kevin smith is a less sized name now yeah he's really he's looking really skinny in the in in that video you know the story about that right uh he lost weight he almost died (laughs) he almost died oh yeah that's right he had a heart attack show he did a stand-up basically show one of his shows where he went out and talked about a bunch of stuff went backstage and had the Widowmaker heart attack, right? Like yep. the the main uh, uh, vein that, like, this is the one that kills you. Yeah, like not eight, like eighty percent of the time, something like that. Um, and uh, after that, went on a strictly vegan diet with you know his his daughter uh, convinced him to do that, and he went out hiking a bunch. And he lost a ton of weight. Um, but he remarks too that <laughs> for those of you for for you uh for you ganja files out there, the doctor. Um, who consulted with him after he survived what should have killed him, said, it's very possible that you survived because, in, in, in large part, because of how calm you were <laughs> when all of this happened. If your stress level had gone up, your, heart, your blood pressure would have gone up, and this might have killed you before people had managed to get in there and do what they needed to do to stabilize you. Um, and he credits the fact that he is always high. <laughs> as uh what keeps him level <laughs> and because he said he like he literally had this this moment this moment of clarity where he sat he thought about his like like he was like if this is how it hand if this is how it happens it, it's okay i've had a really great life i've gotten to do the thing i love i'm incredibly lucky and he just like relaxed and they saved his life if he had flipped out he might not be here today i believe that no, it's uh, same thing. Well, actually, Pendulette's was actually a longer process because he'd been on blood pressure medications for, I think he said, a decade. And finally, he had he had multiple heart procedures. And finally, he got to the point where he was in his 60s. And he said, I'm not going to live to 70. And I got and he had he got he had a kid late. Um, 
and I think his his son was in his or you know he was sixty and the kid wasn't even ten. And he's a crime fighter. Right. That's his kid's yeah, first and yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Moxie Crime Fighter. Gillette. Moxie Crime Fighter. And, <laughs> and he wanted to be around for his kid. And he went on a very strict, very strict diet. He went lost. on a potato diet. Yep. Yep. He he ate unseasoned, unbuttered, unsalted potatoes, nothing but for like a year and a half. Yum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but he but he said, he he said, and and this is the thing about Penn and his fierce atheism and his, you know, his fierce rationalism. He said, you can tell, you know, it actually relates to, he said, I eat all the cheeseburgers I want. I've always wondered about this. He says this, I eat all the cheeseburgers I want. I eat all the pizza I want. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he said, because, and I'm like, I can't imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, how, that's how he equates his atheism and the idea of morality. His argument always is like, well, I rape exactly as much as I want, even though I have no religion. And the amount I want to rape is zero. The amount I want to murder is zero. Um, and he said, too, that he's like, because I guess he's like eating regular food and everything. Now, he doesn't eat fatty stuff, but he's back to regular food. And he said, like, after that potato thing, after a year plus of that, he said the first time he had a bite of something that wasn't that potato, it was like discovering food. Yep. Because yeah. his, his, his body was just like his, his mouth was not used to it. He said it was the most amazing thing he's ever eaten. Like for, for weeks afterwards, like every time he had something new, it was incredible. Not surprising. What did you say? A year and a half he ate potatoes? I don't know. That, that's a guess. It, it was, was a, it long, was a time. long time. It was, a, I think it was, it was many, many like six, months. It was like six months. Yeah, I was going to say even if it's six first months, months yeah. actually wasn't the potatoes piece. It was salads. Yeah, the guy, well, he, the, he eased into it, yeah. Yeah, the guy brought him, but this big plate of greens with nothing on it. You yeah. know, just, just and he said they were gigantic. You know, and it's true. You if you ate spinach and lettuce and and onions and things, you and didn't put so, you know sauce on it, you pile that as high as a mountain and eat it, and it ain't gonna make a difference. Yeah, it's mostly water. Yeah, and so you can <laughs> eat, eat, eat. He gave him these, and then yeah, he switched over to potatoes, and he went through that whole process and. Yeah, completely rewired his body and he looks great. So these he pe- talked uh, about it on his podcast all the time. Does he? During yeah, the I've, process. Yeah, he was talking about it. I've I've read a bunch of articles by him. So it's that uh, he does a podcast too. I don't think he's hit uh, 400 episodes though. <laughs> Better than you. <laughs> Probably less entertaining than him. <laughs> we could do magic. Um, you want to try some magic? But he's a professional entertainer. No, his we uh, can do magic. audio audio magic. <laughs> his... Okay, imagine this. I shoot a bullet at Mike. He catches it in his teeth. Ta-da! Hey, whoa! <laughs> and, and, that whole, and that whole time I spoke and Mike didn't. So we're just like Penn and Teller. I don't have and a I'm your gunshot sound. Whoever the guest is has to be your hype man or woman. <laughs> Sit in the back and go. Whoa, tell me how you did your magic. Oh, well, okay. What else have we got? What are we doing? What are we talking about? Is it news time? I guess. What's news, Chris? Oh, oh. Uh, let's see. I can go um, first. I got, like, here's a quick story. About because it's been a lady. while since we talked about Florida man. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission said officers were dispatched to a Broward County residence 
residence uh, when uh, uh, the resident there discovered what under the hood of their car? What do you think was under the hood of the car? Um, either a big snake or a small alligator. Yeah, I was. I was. Those were exact. It, that, those were my two choices in that order. Ten foot Burmese python. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Decided to pop the hood on his blue Ford Mustang. Um, and yeah, found a Burmese python. So the uh, Fish and Wildlife Commission came out and extracted it without, apparently, without uh, hurting the vehicle. It's a nice car. <laughs> it's like a kind of a, a royal blue but like a slightly you know a little lighter than royal blue and it's got some white detailing and striping down the you know right down the hood and up the is it like a six a, did, you, did you give us the year is it a 65 like like a classic uh no it looks to be newer than that oh okay just looking at i mean i'm, I'm not playing the video i'm just looking at the screen capture of the beginning and it doesn't look like that uh that that older model um yeah, but they got her out of there. Man, Python. I just wanted to check my oil. Jeez. Yikes. <laughs> well, this is... Fill up I... my washer fluid, standing there with my funnel, <laughs> and my big two-gallon jug of blue liquid. It can't be that new of a car because there, there's no wasted space in those engine compartments anymore. But, yeah, wait, wait, but what, I would what, imagine... What, what I, was I, you, what I'm not watching the video, so I don't know, but a Python, like, it's a snaky snake. It's going to, you know, it could, it could, it could have been surrounding the engine. You know, it could have been on three sides of the engine. What, what year was the car? Doesn't say. Let's oh, not get hung okay. up on the year of the car. <laughs> well, no, because to, to Mike's point, if it's a modern car, I do wonder where that thing was. Okay. But if it's, well, a, if it's a 60s or a 70s car, it could, I'm surprised it didn't fall out. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is an older model. I don't know cars and I'm not looking at the whole car. So, okay. But yeah, no, it's well, this is this was the conversation, you know, my uh, my son and I have become obsessed lately with watching old film of John Panette, the comedian. Um, And (laughs) you go home now. You've been here for you pay a four hour. (laughs) That's the the big the big fat guy, the big big overweight comedian. That's 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 what he's he's passed on. But he's known for that. Probably best known for the Chinese restaurant bit. Yeah. He also before he died, he we were talking about this. He uh, he lost a bunch of weight before the 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 life finally got to him he had actually lost over 150 pounds but uh no he uh one of one of his bits was he did a whole show that was said you know no is a cruel thing to say so instead say nay nay (laughs) yeah and he said australia as far as i've been able to determine as lovely as it is and as wonderful as the people are is pretty much a nay nay country (laughs) because and and i and my son and I have said, if we came home one day and one of them spiders was on the door, we're done. Oh, <laughs> looks, the... looks like we're moving. That house, that house now belongs to that spider, as far as I can figure. What is, what is that, that spider in Australia called? Uh, I'll look it up. Yeah, because a, a buddy of mine who lives in Auckland sent a, uh, a, a meme that was floating around back down there, which was the different names of the spiders in Australia all of which ended with Bosted. <laughs> so it's like Jumpy Bosted, Bitey Bosted, Scary Bosted, Hairy Bosted, you know, all that stuff. So 
Huntsman yeah, no, spider is the huntsman is the big spider. Yeah, the Australia. huntsman. That's it. It's a, I, you see one of those things on your door when you come home? Nay, nay. <laughs> you know, it's, I guess I'm staying in a hotel tonight. Yeah, it's it, it belongs to you, pumpkin. <laughs> and the same thing is like the first time I open up my car, lit, my the, the lid of my car and inside it, there's a giant python. Nay, nay. <laughs> and I understand I can probably very safely get that python out of my car. Don't I stress probably? Famous last words. Yeah. Hey, exactly. I'll watch this. That sounds like somebody's losing an arm. Uh, yep. That thing's going to wrap itself around your arm, squeeze tight, and you're not going to be able to get it off. No, I, I, I understand. I'm not really arguing there. It's... You might as well just fight a kangaroo. I mean, <laughs> good luck. No. See, I, I think, okay. Fair question. I think my chances are much better getting that python out of that car than fighting a kangaroo because I know I got no chance against that kangaroo. I've seen footage. Hey, let's play the game. What would you rather do? <laughs> oh, take I... the python out of the car. That's not close. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I think I got it. So the it... python. We'll take the python out. Let's let's see if we can get you to pick something. Let's see if we can get him to pick pick pick, pick the kangaroo without going absurd. <laughs> um, fight a kangaroo or fight against. Um, 10 angry emperor penguins in the water. <laughs> Ugh, you gave them the water, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to say like, okay, a kangaroo or a lion. Well, I'll take on the kangaroo. You guys, yeah, it's got to be yeah. something that makes I, you think I, a little I, bit. Mm, 10 angry emperor penguins. Yeah, they're after you. They're not yeah, just, they're s- not like, they're not cute little March of the Penguins. <laughs> no, there ain't no, there ain't no, uh, <laughs> you know, old black actor. Morgan Freeman is not narrating that. <laughs> No, no, no. I think, angry. I think they I can run away from angry. the kangaroo easier than or I can swim away from the penguins. Oh, in yeah. A wide, well, in a wide yeah. open space, no place to hide. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I still think I go with the penguins, but that's close. <laughs> that's okay. close because, like I say, on the land, I'm golden because I can waddle faster than they can. But, uh, but in the, <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I, I'm still, I'm, I, I, that kangaroo is kicking my ass. It just is. <laughs> Literally. They're kickboxers. Yes. Yeah, and it'll punch me too. They will punch, although they prefer to kick. Look, gave in your chest with that kick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> considering how far I've seen them make zebra fly. <laughs> All right, what else is news? Jim, you sent us something. I did, because this was a follow-up that I saw just last night. I forgot to send it last night. Remember all those months ago, we talked about the Atari hotels? Right. They have now released the art of what they imagine they will look like. <laughs> yeah, it's and, as crazy as you think it is. Yeah, and and I'll I, I will be damned. They built in that Atari that that A or whatever that is right like the three into lines, the hotel right the logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have come out with their design and spitting in the face of the pandemic. They're saying it's coming straight to the Vegas Strip. Um, I I'm going to admit I'm going. This is. As someone who was, my question was at the time when I appeared on this very podcast, was to say, who is this for? The images that they've got of this mall, and it's the, uh, yeah, it's the first big concept shot that they're showing with, you know, (laughs) there's going to be a Chinese neon plant running 24 hours a day for about three years to create all this (laughs) neon. (laughs) That's I all mean, LED now. That's yeah, that's not true. actual well, neon. But, what, 
but all that all that wiring that they got going on that's got to be neon it looks like it's a it's supposed to look like neon but yeah okay even but well you're the architects but no they're not nobody nobody does neon anymore unless you're you own a bar (laughs) (laughs) neon is for losers and bar owners but i repeat myself the um the uh but yeah, so that's so that's all LED that wiring stuff. It might even be imagine. it might even be a um a optical cable. Oh, it's probably optical. LED though, because that's Ooh, that's so ubiquitous fair. now. What what yeah. I want is because they've got a hotel there. It's like a big tower, and there's one big face of it that's like you know a big flat face with all the you know it. It's at a distance; you can't really see it, but you would you would assume all sorts of windows at regular intervals. Yes, a grid of windows and balconies. Mm. Yes, I want those windows <laughs> each wrapped <laughs> in um in in that uh, fiber or um, LED. Like I want a box, a frame around each one that can individually light up. That can individually light up, and I want the seventh floor to be red, and the eighth floor to be green, and the ninth floor to be yellow. And I want to be able to, if I'm a big spender, have a controller in my hand and play Breakout. <laughs> or spa- I was thinking, I was thinking oh, Space yeah. Invaders. <laughs> so, so if you're Margie from Schenectady who only can afford a, a room on the third floor, I gotta have rich guy Craig playing Breakout or Yars Revenge on my hotel room all night. Well, and they could do it in such a way that the that the lights would be visible outside and wouldn't really light up the inside of the room much. Like they could they could they could shelf the light in such a way with the construction that okay. you know that would be visible outside and not inside. One of you who played more Atari than I did, please explain the uh, spacesuit figures that I see in these renderings everywhere. The giant spacesuits. Yeah, I don't get them either. Is that a later? Is that a later Atari thing? I see, like, listeners, I see, email me. Like, I see the asteroids graphics. Like that looks li- literally like what the asteroid, yeah, like yeah, the that, asteroid that, title, that what like, it looked that's... like on the cartridge and everything. Yep. Yep. Back in back in the in the eighties, early eighties. Um, and there's other stuff that's like that. But they've also got this sim racing thing, which I'm assuming is like a, a later that is Atari later. offering, yep. Yep. and that that spacesuit thing might be from some sort of later. Well, you can also see that banner. They've got a ribbon on on that main shot. They've got a ribbon on the left side. That's all the cartridges. Yeah. There's, oh, Christ, it's E.T. The third one from the left is E.T. Awesome. Yes, it is. (laughs) The terrible (laughs) E.T. game. Wow, they are owning this. They're totally, they are all in. Literally, in Vegas terms, they are all in. Yeah. E.T., the cartridge that murdered Atari. (laughs) Wow. Well, it isn't it buried in the desert close to Las yes. Vegas? Yes. <laughs> have you seen the documentary on that? No, it's I still really haven't good. seen it. No. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Seek it out. It's okay. worth finding because they wow. talk to the, they talk to those guys, and they talk to the guys who did it. But then they also talk to a guy who made it kind of his mission to find them. And the guy comes off as a nerd Indiana Jones in the 19, I think it's the 90s. The Atari Indiana Jones game also wasn't terribly good. No, <laughs> although it had it had one of the first really big Easter eggs. Yeah, well, it did. It did. Admittedly, it did feel a bit like the the movie where the E.T. Yeah. game didn't feel like anything like no. the movie. Yeah, other no, than, no, no, no. Other than you were controlling E.T. Right. And you were being chased by things. Um, but. Yeah, it, it that documentary is is really worth seeking out. It's one of my favorites. 
But anyway, yeah, they've got this ribbon of all the classic cartridges. I, I'll say I am more interested in seeing this than I was before. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> well, then they're but, doing their job. Yes. Yeah. Their no. promo. Their promo did the job. They. They. But I, I will also say this press release still. Be, well, it's a press release, right? I, I get it. That's the job. But it. It is very, very nondescript as to what exactly is going to be in these things. They say we're getting details, but we really don't. I quote, like uh, this is Shelly Murphy, managing partner, GSD Group, said, like Atari's legacy and innovation, Atari Hotels is infusing synthetic reality into every aspect of the hotel, creating an immersive hospitality and gaming experience for our guests. From our virtual interactive world to the physical locations, every element of Atari Hotels will offer a unique an authentic experience for everyone. I first observed you have told me nothing. <laughs> you have spent many words and told me nothing. And secondly, it's what about it is authentic? <laughs> yeah. What, what I, to the contrary, it's entirely synthetic. That's the point. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> if they wanted this to be authentic, the like the color scheme would have to be giant blocks of square colors yes like the pixel the, the size of the pixels the size of the sprites would have to be monstrous they couldn't have all this detail this high res stuff this is not authentic also if you want this to be authentic you need to take all those people out in the out in the the, the thoroughfare there out in the uh the plaza you have to make sure now it doesn't it looks like I see like what appear to be kids. So, okay, get rid of all of those. It's going right. to all be 40 year old white guys <laughs> and yep. older. Yep. And there's going to be at least like three clusters um, of white guys of like four plus white guys that are hammered and puking <laughs> because they're at the Atari casino and hotel in Las Vegas. Bro, bro. Let's go play roids again. But that that doesn't play well in the promo poster. There's I also the- forgot the uh, the undocumented aliens standing at least at four entry points, offering pornographic magazines to people. Yeah, there you go. Is that a thing in Vegas? Oh yes, yeah. As you walk along the strip, there are these guys that are clearly being coyoted over the border, and what they do is because they're specifically prohibited from panhandling, and you can get arrested for that. They can't speak to you. <laughs> but they stand there with their stripper mags. It's it's magazines of wh- whorehouses and uh, strip clubs, and they will stand there and they'll smack them into your ha- their their hand. And when you hear that and look, they'll extend them to you. Hey, would you like one? Which led to one of my favorite moments in Vegas from years ago when I was walking out of the Stardust where we were staying, and there was this lovely German couple we had just been talking to in the casino that left a few minutes before we did. And in a rare moment, it started to rain for a minute in Vegas. And they took one of the magazines just so they could use it for sort of a rain hat. <laughs> and so this nice 70 year old couple is walking down the street with their porn mag on their head. I can't imagine there's a lot of uh, umbrella sales in Vegas. Uh, yeah, I, I, I cannot. And my wife and I actually talked like about the it. New York, the New York street vendors with yeah. the umbrella with the multicolors and they're twirling it and everything like in not Seinfeld. There's not a lot of that going on. Yeah, not a thing. No, and and actually, Craig, you jumped to the other piece of this for me, which was now that I am looking about at this, one of the great debates that Las Vegas had a generation ago, and Wayne Newton, the great Wayne Newton warned him against it, was do you try to get families to Vegas? And that's why they installed at least two theme parks, including the one that's now closed at the MGM 
they installed the ship fight at uh, Treasure Island, which was just freaking awesome. <laughs> um, well, I, I said it at the time. If you have two full-on sized ships of the line, sail them on a rail and have them have a gunfight for my amusement, and one of the things sinks, <laughs> I'm in. I will come and watch that. And you watched it for free out in the strip. My wife and I watched it four times. I was, oh my God, this is so cool. And uh, Heath Denicus, that I know you know, Craig, he was so jealous because I told him that one of the standard stunts in that show was a guy getting to do a 30 foot fall into a pool with a flame shirt. So he was on fire. <laughs> you know, so that, no, that show was brilliant because after the ship sank, after the pirates sank the British ship, and I mean, they sank it all the way under the water parenthetically in vegas which is in the middle of a desert so yeah we got water to sink ships in <laughs> but when it would no rise umbrellas. back when America. it would rise back up <laughs> after the show was over they obviously had to do a reset and they had no curtains so they had to do the reset and full in full view. view sure so what they even did, more entertainment they, they waited a few minutes and then they played rule britannia and the ship came rising up out of the deep and the guy who was playing the British captain was still standing on the deck. <laughs> and I went, that's a very, very nice touch. So, yeah, I, I'm curious. So they went through this whole phase where they wanted to have kids in Vegas. And they, my impression was they had decided against it. And they had gone to the campaign. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, they, they were much more adult. The ship show became a siren show with scantily clad women. Um, and this seems like a, but, but you're right, Craig, you're right, Craig. This really, I don't know as this is for kids as much as it is 40 plus white guys who want to stumble around and mem and remember the time that the Atari 2600 was the cat's pajamas. Remember Atari? Remember Atari? Yes, yeah. Remember Pitfall? Remember <laughs> Asteroids? How was how was that uh, that amusement that you saw earlier today? It was a ship show, <laughs> and it was. Oh, it's really bad. It was really bad. No, no, it was awesome. <laughs> I thought you said quite, it was a ship show. Quite the contrary, <laughs> it was an amazing ship show. No, that's the... calling back to uh, what episode forty or something like that. Ship your pants. Oh, <laughs> I, sh I shipped my pants. <laughs> what was that Kmart? That was Something a Kmart like that. commercial. They had, yeah, they had a yeah. sense of humor, and they did a whole thing about how you ship your pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was way back. Yeah. No, this uh, this uh, E.T. cartridge. Now, these are these are the architectural renderings done, and it says that it's Gensler, which is a very high-design national architecture firm. Um, big national multi-office. Now... Having having worked in that field for quite some time, um, yes. I would not be surprised if the people at Atari had not noticed that, and that that's that's a joke that somebody put that in there on purpose. The, wh whoever <laughs> yeah. whoever the did, firm decided, hey guys, <laughs> and it's just you know somebody in the know, somebody nerdy like us. That's like you know it would be awesome. Let's put the ET, ET cartridge so in there. So here's here's the question: Is it the 30 year old renderer who happens to know about the ET thing because they saw the documentary, or is it like the 45 or 50 year old project manager who was like, "Hey, <laughs> put, let's 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 put this third from the left, the so one who played the game." Yeah, he's like, "Let's let's put let's put ET in there. See if they so, notice." So this is this was her vengeance. <laughs> 
for being a, a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 13-year-old who, who so loved E.T. and was so excited to play this exciting game that Steven Spielberg himself had endorsed and got home and went, this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> uh, this is totally a troll on the part of somebody that was involved with the surrendering. Because it's interesting, it's interesting you say that, Mike, because when you look at the picture, it actually does stand out. Even though it's third from the left, it sort of stands out. Yeah, because they, they, they put it in between a bright blue cartridge and yep. a bright green cartridge. and it's Well, white. it also stood out as a cartridge because you'll notice the color scheme is silver. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the red banner that's mm -hmm. kind of across the, yep. just, just a touch above the middle. That mm -hmm. is different. Most cartridges didn't look like that. You see the Atari cartridges, it was usually... There was a field color that was green or blue or red or black or whatever. And then the title was right up at the top. Yeah. Yes. There's another That's one right. like it about seven or eight down. Yeah. There was only, there were only a handful that had like some of these different designs, even though they were made by Atari and they were probably done to set them apart. Yeah. Like ET got a, a different scheme because it was ET. Right. Which just makes it more noticeable. <laughs> oh, good times. Any yeah. other news, or are we going to wind Jim up and let him go? Yeah, real quick, for uh, those of you who like bad movies, for... Okay. And I do. Craig and Jim, two of no, you. No, I, I only watch good movies. You can, uh, <laughs> you can check this out live this weekend. Uh, listeners can catch it on repeat, on demand, later in the week. Um, ShoutFactoryTVLive.com, which is a mouthful. I just got this email this morning, a half an hour before we started recording. Yes, today and tomorrow, and then again later on On Demand, you can watch tw a 12-hour marathon, Patton Oswalt's six-pack of bad movies featuring... Oh, yeah, 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 I saw this. Chopping Mall, Battle Beyond the Stars, Shriek of the Mutated, Mutilated, excuse me, Suburbia, Eat My Dust, and Cue the Winged Serpent. I've seen three of those. <laughs> I haven't seen any of these. Q is uh, spectacular. Um, it uses um, the the great story behind the making of Q is like it's it's a it's a stop motion animated oh boy. flying monster that attacks New York. And the way they did it was they they said, well, we've got permits to to fly it, it, to fly a camera around New York, but we can only do it like on this day at these times. So they went and they just flew around a bunch and they took a whole bunch of footage with nothing. Uh -huh. You know, just like whatever New York looked like at the time, the sky at the time, everything like that, with the intention of handing it to the animators and said, OK, now add Q, add the monster to this without storyboarding it, without making like any sort of plan to like make a good looking like, you know, a schematic of like, you know. An action sequence is going to have like th things are going to go from one direction to the other, and then you're going to cut to this and cut to that, and there's all this stuff, right? And they only had so much footage that they shot up so in the sky, no and they continuity. had to slam <laughs> this animated uh, stop motion uh, monster into it. And so, like, like it looks like I mean, it looks like a, a a B movie through the whole thing, and but like when it goes to all the sky stuff, it's like weird it gets weird all of a sudden because it just doesn't feel like they were like, they even had like any sort of a plan. Like they literally just <laughs> because they took, <laughs> they, they took a bunch of footage. They sent somebody up there with a camera and took a bunch of footage flying around. And then they said, okay, now somehow turn that into a, an exciting aerial battle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then chopping mall is spectacular because it has a, um, 
um what's oh i gotta describe i want to describe it exactly right the 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 photo on the as was the case with um a lot of 80s horror like straight to like very low budget horror and stuff that went straight to video um it had um yeah like the 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 video box had like this it was a painting and it looked like this like robot hand was holding um a like a a bag you know a a shopping bag like a one uh, Uh that you'd carry around with the handles on the top and everything and then when you get to watch the uh the movie itself if you if you just google image search for chopping mall you'll see the difference between like the robots look like like it looks like the robot out of uh, revenge of the nerds like it's like <laughs> the robot that's chasing people the security robot that's chasing people around the mall is like three feet tall and it's got a big fat body and treads <laughs> and it's super slow <laughs> it's but but the 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 the, the videotape box made it look like there was going to be like, oh my God, there's going to be like this robot killer. Yeah, very lifelike. There's, there's, there's an, nothing an, like Android that human nothing form. Remotely like yeah. that. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. Shopping mall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really bad. What was the other one? The second, the second, first and second one? Um, Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's John Boy in Space. Is that is that the one we've talked about before in the context of Mystery Science Theater? Uh, life, was that Life Force that we talked about? I don't know. Life Force is space vampires. No, you and I have watched that. Yeah, but I'm that's talking the one that has that has the greatest chase sequence ever of a person that runs through a door and down a corridor and through a door and then down a corridor and through a door and down a corridor and through a door and then the person that's chasing them runs through the door and down a corridor and through the door and down a corridor and through the door and the chase goes like that for three minutes. Yeah, it was as thrilling as it sounded just now. Um, That'll be on the stars as a Roger, I recall it's a Roger Corman extravaganza. Okay. That's like trying to do the Star Wars thing. Yeah. We've talked about that with Ando. Yeah, and it stars John Boy from the the Walmart. Richard (laughs) Thomas. And then Shriek of the Mutilated. Suburbia, Eat My Dust. Suburbia. (laughs) I haven't seen any of these. I would... uh... Before before we go, I want to give a, a a nerd shout out because you know of my love of, of British stage and theater. We did have a a minor passing, but a, but a significant one this week. Uh, Joffrey Palmer died. You would I know. The, him. I saw the photos. Yeah, yeah, you would know him. He's he's been in a billion things. He's in a fish called Wanda. Uh, he's in Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, the British series that he's known throughout the world for is as time goes by which was i've seen a bunch of just not i've never watched the whole throughput but to me i will well i will always remember him as a couple turns as a master in doctor who but probably the thing for nerds he's most famous for he's the guest at basil faulty's hotel who tries to get an order of sausages while uh basil (laughs) is trying to hide a body (laughs) in faulty towers yes (laughs) that episode is i I watched it when i saw he had died i went back to watch it and i just died laughing again so uh just a classic classic british straight man actor and yet another one of these guys he was a royal marine you know he he had come up in fact he was a drill and shooting instructor for the royal marines who just (laughs) got into who got into uh, acting almost accidentally through a girlfriend. 
and and had quite a nice career entertaining us and 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 folks of a nerd stripe will certainly have seen him a million times in a million different things so uh oh and and i guess the big thing was and my family loves this i i think they're fine but my family loves the uh the new paddington movies he, he's featured oh paddington bear yeah so uh so thank thank you for the laughs thanks for the fun and thanks for the talent so uh, joffrey palmer 93 wow mm -hmm. and let it not be let it uh let it also be your, you know, noted OBE, Order of the Most Excellent, Officer of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire. Not a knight, but still. Is that like a next step down? From yeah, here? it's the next okay. step down. You, you get a knighthood that he probably would have gotten one had he lived, but it's, but uh, OBEs are quite nice too. Which one do you have, Jim? Uh, I, I, you know, I keep pitching for the honors list. Uh, <laughs> one of the greatest one of the greatest, greatest, greatest episodes of my favorite TV show, bar none, uh, Yes Minister, discusses how in Britain, there was this expectation of senior civil servants that every year there was this thing called the honors list where they become knights, where they get knighthoods. And there's this great argument about why, and the argument is between the political figure, Jim Hacker, and, and my boy, you know, my boy, Sir Humphrey, about why they should just automatically get it because they're on this list and they're um you know and and they discuss the orders and they come up with this thing well what are the orders this year well there's the cmg what's that well call me god and then there's the kcmg kindly call me god <laughs> and there's the gcmg god calls me god the um but yeah <laughs> It is, uh, it, is, it is wonderful, wonderful stuff. I, I'm trying to get it on the honors list as a civil servant, try, trying to conceal the fact that I am not, in fact, a, uh, a British citizen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an issue. That's, that, well, you know, these are the details they're trying to, these are the details that they are trying to uh, inflict on me, denying me my orders of nobility. I'm sure there's a workaround. Probably, or not. Well, it, it was interesting because when Ronald Reagan... I, f I forget what they gave him because they knighted Ron. Uh, they knighted Ron at the request of Margaret Thatcher, and there was a workaround for that. But it was uh, it was very particular, very particular. Couldn't so there's precedent. There you go. He, he, there, uh... <laughs> Keep the dream alive. I've never seen this Yes Minister show. This looks oh oh looks good. My God, give you uh, there's none better stand by that it's now admittedly there are times the whole show it's very it's very drawing room it's very small you know it's not it is not lavish it's it's the writing it's the writing it is sheer sheer genius the only thing about it is it is a, the 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 premise the through line the throughput is it's the story of the the what do you say the the tensions the conflicts between the bureaucracy and the elected government you know, you've got this elected government that can change whenever there's a new election, just like, hey, just like we're having right now. And then you've got this bureaucracy, this civil service that serves no matter who is in a policymaking position. And given that fact and given what I do for a living, there have just been a number of times when I've been watching Yes Minister and howling with laughter. And my wife is howling with laughter. And I say, that's not funny. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were kind of the donald sutherland line from yeah yeah that's, 
that's not funny. That happened. What? No. This is my job. <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't laugh. That was Tuesday. <laughs> you know, so no, but it is that's, so that's animal. Animal House, right? Yes. Yeah. He's he's the English professor who is up there. You know, he's he's offering that standard pitch about uh, Milton's Paradise Lost, and he said, "Was Milton telling us that Satan, that being evil is more interesting?" than being good and he gets nothing <laughs> from from the students i mean nothing yeah and he's like anyone anyone <laughs> and the bell rings and he says that was you're... that was bueller that was bueller <laughs> before bueller yeah yeah and then anyone? he says the bell rings and there's anyone? this and he says remember your assignments are due wednesday I'm not kidding. This is my job. <laughs> so great. All right. Is it time to unleash the gym? I suppose. You warmed up? Ready I'm to go? Salt, salty. Salty. Let's do it. Which one you, which one you want to do? You got to tell me. Won't be good. <laughs> you want to ease into it with uh, whichever one is the one that we ease into it with? Which, yeah, I was going to say, whichever one is easy. <laughs> Well, I'm 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 curious to know what the Cyberpunk 2077 thing is. Okay, it's a game. Cyberpunk right? 2077. I brought it up here on my Steam account so I can look at it. Um, Cyberpunk 27 2077 is it is a game. It is it is look PC gaming particularly, but really all gaming has taken a very very interesting turn because you've got in my judgment two categories of games. You've got You've got your uh, lower level, simple, a lot of 8-bit inspired and all this other stuff games that are amazing. If you go, that there's a, there's a vibrant Steam community particularly. And Steam, for those who don't know, is, the distribu- is probably the number one, I think it is, distribution system for PC games. Uh, you, it, you, just, you go onto it, you download the games, they take care of patches and all that other stuff. And it is really really the cat's pajamas um because it takes care of that but one of the other things it's done is it has opened up the prospect for people to do small games uh my son loves a lot of these games like enter the gungeon and um a lot of these uh uh, what do i want to say roguelikes there are these roguelike games that are very small eight bit sensibility eight bit aesthetics low production values, but a lot of strong gameplay. And they sell them to you for five to 10 bucks and people buy them and they're successful. But then you have your tentpole games. And these are the ones that are huge budgets, huge production values, demand your, you push the envelope in terms of both design and graphics and sound. And, you know, just to give you an idea of what we're looking at with Cyberpunk 2077, I was looking at the system specs and just, well, actually, the number one tentpole <laughs> game right now since this 2077 is now is Red Dead Redemption 2. Now, Red Dead Redemption 2, this Western open world game, is it's astonishing. It's a truly astonishing game. That's all I can say. I, I, that's not the topic here. But I do want to say this. When I first looked at it and realized that the install size of this game is 150 gigabytes. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I went, 
Well, no wonder, what? no wonder they can't give it to you on a on a disc anymore. R- hello, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> you know, now I gotta, you know, my my hard drive is a, my install drive is a terabyte and a half. Okay, that you'd have told me if you would have told um thirteen year old Jim who had just bought his Tandy Radio Shack eighty with sixteen k of RAM and no <laughs> hard drive, one day. You will have to install a game that is 150 gigabytes in size. You would have said, what's a gigabyte? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, that sounds like a derivation of kilo and to mega. And or, to, what? Or you would have said, wait, isn't that pronounced gigabyte? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would have, somebody would have had to explain to you. It's like, okay, well, there's kilo and then there's mega and then there's giga and then yeah, there's tera. And that's the thing that that's, that's yeah. like. That's 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 your permanent floppy disk that's going to be inside the machine Shut that you can up. store all stuff on. It's going to be a tear. It's going to be three steps up. Shut up, space guy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd have called you a liar, you know, or I, it would have been unimaginable. Yeah. And so so here we are with 2077. It's going to have a modest 70 gigabyte install size. But they're also recommending that you install it to your SSD. Oh, it's too. It's uh, it, it, you're you're gonna have reduced performance if you try to yeah, run it, this thing off of a platter drive. Yep. And I'm going. <laughs> okay. I knew that getting a bigger SSD was important, so I went out and I thought I did the right thing, and I got one that had 250 gig on it. Because <laughs> I got a 250 gig SSD and a terabyte and a half on the D drive, and I did it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> No game but, for you. <laughs> no, no cyberpunk for you. None. But that, that's not the story. Although that just gives you a sense of what we're talking about in tentpole games. I mean, these are, these are big productions that cost a lot and will make a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. They will make money in the billions. You know? Um, so they, they will make a lot of money. Not a question. And so will the um, hard drive manufacturers. Oy, yeah. So, so <laughs> but again, not the point. A game this big, and every video I've seen of it, every movie I've seen, this is, I just, I, it takes your breath away. Uh, Red Dead Red Redemption took my breath away in terms of, I can go there. And that was always one of the things about video games. When I first started playing them, you know, obviously we saw a lot of drawn backgrounds or rendered backgrounds. And you would see this really cool path up to a hill, up to a, up to a house. And you realize, oh, I can't go there. That's, that's not a place they're going to let me go. Well, now you can, you know, they've, mm-hmm. you know, we saw this with Grand Theft Auto years ago that they started saying, oh, no, you can go in there. Come on in. See what's in there. We put something in there. Ha ha. You know, in, in Grand Theft Auto five, I think it was four. There was, oh, yeah, you can go down there. Take your go pick up this girl, grab a car, steal a car if you want, steal a car, take her. And there's going to be a bowling alley. And oh, yeah, we have a full fledged bowling game where we keep score and everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Let's go. And and now in the in I know for a fact in five there's a golf course. You can go shoot 18 holes. You know, go go play golf. Is it uh um, has it won an award for most improved golf course? Right. Well, no, <laughs> that was already <laughs> taken by the Patriot in Abrams, Wisconsin. Don't you try to crash their little party. Yeah, so it's um so so they've got all that. All these things require an incredible amount of effort. And and it, it's and there's when you look at the the credits to games like this they go on for days days and so we were told oh and this one also 
had a, a special reveal about a year ago now that one of the lead characters had the face and voice of Keanu Reeves. Okay, yeah. And with I know the nerd cybernetic arm. We've, yeah, we've and, heard about and the, this before. And the nerd yeah. universe went, oh, so sweet. It's Neo and all that. And um, so, so very highly anticipated, lots of effort. Well, about a week and a half ago, <laughs> they came out and said, guys, the game's not ready. Mwah, We're going to have to push it back another three weeks from uh, our expected release date, which I think would have been next week. And we're going to push it to December 9th. So now, now you, I, you don't get to play over, over your long Thanksgiving weekend. Well, I don't know how the other delays, because there were others with this game were taken. I just don't know. But in this instance, the nerd universe erupted in rage. I mean, just... Oh, this game sucks. And the thing was, <laughs> they judged the game based on the delay. Oh, so it's it, they're giving it bad reviews? Yes. Based on the fact that they can't play well, it yet. Steam, <laughs> Steam to its Steam to its great credit. Steam to its great credit has a uh shuts off reviews until the game is actually released. <laughs> is that you their know. is that their uh wait a minute, we're not Yelp policy. Right. Well, because they didn't do that. That that was not regularly their thing. They had had the ability to review games before they were released, which I thought was astonishingly stupid. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, seems to me that people ought to have it in their hands before you're... And being ratioed on Steam can cost you sales. Everybody knows this. And a lot of folks have... But all these people slagging the game and throwing a fit again i don't know what the reaction was the last time this happened but i was just scrolling through comments going guys in one month's time you're going to have this game and it'll either suck or it will not none of that should or will be affected by the next three weeks of waiting i mean i need it now I, <laughs> I, wanted it, I wanted it now. I had plans for it now. I set my whole weekend aside. <laughs> and they're judging the, well, this is clearly not a well-run company. You don't know that. <laughs> These people are clearly not competent. You don't know that. Can you imagine how massive the code for this game is? Can you imagine the assets they're tracking? Can you imagine the storyboards they're tracking? And if they if they if they put out a subpar oh. game or a glitchy game that needed fixes or blah blah blah, people would absolutely lose their minds over that. So let them get the game right. That's okay. And it's, it's but it's it just I, it was this eruption. The eruption became a story on some of the news sites of how angry it wasn't the story wasn't cyberpunk delayed which that's fine that's news it was cyberpunk 27 sucks because delayed yeah and that's biz- and and like i say i i and this sort of led me to reflect on myself i have either of you ever stood in line for either a game or a game system no nope yeah i have I stood in line, actually, to confess it, 
I had to work that day. I was brand new on my new job way back then. Uh, my wife actually went to the store to pick up my PlayStation 2 that, that it launched. I took the day off work to go home and play it. <laughs> I was that excited. Uh, I, I stood in line to pick Giant. up my, dr my Dreamcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my Dreamcast. And I twice stood in line to pick up a new copy of Madden. Okay. Now, that was sort of a social thing with some of the guys that I knew down at the game store because that actually was a big deal for the game store. They made a huge amount of money and the manager got a lot of credits. And what they would do in those days, they would actually load into a van all the local managers from all the local... Um, uh, oh shoot! What GameStops now? All the, but it was back then. It was Electronics Boutique or some such. They would all load into a van and drive down to Chicago to get their consignment, and then come back, open it up, and be open at midnight for all the buyers because that's when the embargo was lifted. And there was always a line. It was a party and it was fun. I remember the excitement. I remember having fun. But I reflected when I saw these articles saying, "There is no universe." in which I'm even certainly upset is insane to me. I don't know as I'm even interested that it's delayed three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that is the tempering of age, Jim. And that's what I wondered. Is that what it is? Is that, is this aging? I don't, because... got, time. I don't got time to be mad about this. I got <laughs> stuff to do. <laughs> and come crisp and shoot, come the new year. Will it be gone? Will there be no Cyberpunk 2777 for me? In February of 2021, when I perhaps have more time, will it be will I be unable to play this game? No, it'll be right there. I will give you my money, I will download it and I will play it. It's not going to be gone. It's not like a board game even that can sell out. It's on a digital streaming platform. They're going to have it. I'm confident. Oh. You we ran out. We, we ran out of ones and zeros. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Cleaned the whole hard drive out. No more ones and zeros left. Little well, Billy didn't go to the one and zero well this morning. Yeah. All all Jim has to do is reserve that twenty five percent of his uh, new SSD. <laughs> to, to right. fit it. That gives me enough time to order an SSD for Christmas. And snap that into the old Dell. But it, you know, so it just. <laughs> I wondered so much. It. Just, I couldn't. I couldn't process i kind of want to talk to them not in a therapy way i'm not into <laughs> talking down to people but i want to talk to them can i i almost want to i want to feel your anger can i feel it because I, I i find it absurd i can't i can't even be interested i mean I, i'm looking at the graphics oh that's really cool i'd like to play that I'm gonna play that but but being mad that something is delayed for three weeks is that even a thing you know, oh. I could understand maybe if they said, we don't know how long it's going to take. Right. We Now we don't have a release date. Or it's, you know, six months from now. Summer 2021. Yeah, three weeks. Would it have been okay if it had been two weeks? <laughs> ask these, ask these a-holes that are flipping out over where, three weeks. It's where's like, would, the threshold? Where's, where's the line? Yeah. Where does the What's rage the delay? start? What, what delay is still okay? <laughs> Oh, and see, Craig, and you, and, you, and you hit the other thing that bugs me about them. It's the self-righteous indignation of the $60 customer. Excuse me. 
I have ordered this game. I am a customer and I'm entitled to respect. I pay I your salary. I am paying your you. <laughs> have their have their credit cards been charged yet? No, of course not. So what's you the know, problem? You know, it's like it's it, it's oh, it's so stupid. It is so stupid. <laughs> it is it is oh, uh, let it be said, let it be said, I may have to correct myself. You can pre-purchase it. Okay. Which means it downloads to your hard drive <laughs> or your SSD if you're so stupid. If if it downloads to your hard drive and it unlocks in four weeks. Yeah, the Steam has done this for some of its tentpole games where you can pre-order it, download it, and the minute it it's actually out there, you can start playing it. So theoretically, there's a bunch of people. If you did that, you are a gigantic schmuck. Yeah, that's on you, the customer. That's that's. Do not come to me and cry. They have my money. They didn't come with a gun and take it. You gave them money because you wanted to be firsties. And they're still going to be firsties. It's just going to happen three weeks later. But <laughs> I, oddly enough, will play the same game mm -hmm. as you. And I did not give them my money. The idea that you would give, well, we talked about this in the context of Kickstarters. The idea that you would give a multi-billion dollar corporation, because that's what we're talking about here. The idea that you would give a multi-billion dollar corporation your money to play with, that's goofy talk. Especially in a universe like PC games where the model is distributive. What I mean is when... The Mighty Nerd Burger Games makes a game. It's making physical things. It's making physical books. Yeah, it's doing PDFs, but it also has physical things. You got to know how many you're making. So you don't want to make yeah, 10,000. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to make te you don't make 10,000 if you can only sell 500. Sell 500. <laughs> you know, you don't want you don't but you don't want to you don't want to make that to sell many. 500. But if you know, if you're you're not going to make 10,000, you're going to sell that's what you're doing. You're gauging the market. Yeah. This is a distributive platform. Click, give me your, like you said, oh, look at that. The supply of zeros and ones is still there. This market, we are such weird people. We nerds. We want our content so badly. And, and they, then- They think they, they, are, they are entitled and they have a platform to complain on. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks, <laughs> internet. internet. Thanks, internet. Has anyone, has anyone pointed out to them that if, if, if this is even delayed until New Year's Eve, and it drops on December 31st that it's still 57 years early. <laughs> I suspect not. <laughs> but, you know, and, and only to put a button on it, it's like, and one of them, one of these very big complainers, I guarantee will go onto their Twitch stream and claim, oh my God, I beat it and it was only 120 hours of content. Lame. <laughs> That wow. will happen. 50 cents per hour. Yep. I guarantee it. I saw people talking about Skyrim and saying it wasn't a good value for dollar. And I went, are you kidding? The average playthrough of Skyrim is 100 hours. Average. That's not going after all the little side quests and all the tchotchkes. Assuming you paid full price of 60 bucks. 
Yeah, I'm going to sit here real quietly as the game designer who puts out a 15 or $20 PDF that people complain is too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's for like what you, for what you get out. Uh, yeah. And it's, oh. yep. No, that's, that's it. And so I, I guess, but your mostly... game should be $10 at most. <laughs> <laughs> I've had yeah. that. that. Well, no, that has been, have. that has been said to me. Of course it has. I, 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 I would have had you asked me true or false that has been said i would have said absolutely true because one of my favorite games it's nobody has ever heard of it's called combat mission it's a world what's War it II. about what's that Com- about it's combat <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird name what's it about <laughs> <laughs> well they were trying That's, to conceal that, it. that is a, that is it's not what's the opposite of a pet peeve it's like a favorite thing of mine i love a thing where that that has a title that's so on the nose like the movie ninja assassin What's that about? <laughs> Ooh, so you would be very mad at the movie Death Mask of the Ninja, in which there are neither a death mask nor any evident ninjas. Um, yeah. But no, Shock Force, it's a combat mission is a World War II tactical game. And it's basically two guys in a garage with a few assistants making one of the more revolutionary, I guess, uh, war games of the past 20 years. And they charge for it. And people say, oh, you charge way too much. You charge way too much. And, and they, they have repeatedly said for 20 years, feel free to make your own and charge less. <laughs> you will then beat us. You will win. And you can go, ha ha, I told you so. Until then, sit down and shut up. And give me your freaking money. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, and here's the other thing. Oh, you don't want to pay that money? Then don't. Don't. Mm-hmm. And if you can, all you can, of you, you can go overpay for a role-playing game PDF. <laughs> if all of you agree that this is too much, we will go broke. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. You know. So the it no, but I I was just really trying to get at the issue of the excitement of a new release and and just being excited. I mean rushing home let's forget about the anger part but the idea that i have cyberpunk pre-ordered and it's sitting on my machine and i know it's going to launch at at noon pacific i don't know i'm making that up but it's going to launch at noon pacific and i come rushing home oh my god oh my god oh my god is it ready is it ready ready? oh i'm playing cyberpunk 2017 right now that's just not there for me anymore that is if i ever had it it's gone. <laughs> I'm going to be real good playing it in the new year. Thanks very much. All right. I got to shovel the driveway. I got to get the kid off to the theater thing. I got to <laughs> sit down and have a nice dinner with the wife. I got to, oh, and it's been a long day. So I'm going to go to bed early. Yep. Tomorrow morning, I got to get up and I got to organize the stuff in the garage. And I gotta... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and maybe, well, maybe and then... I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll punch out a couple hours, uh, you know, like Sunday at five o'clock, you know? And so, and and but what does the media cover? You're exactly right, Craig. What does the media cover? Do they cover the the vast pool of people who are just enjoying the game as they can within the context of their lives? Oh, that's or boring. Do they, do they cover this coterie, this co- this tiny coterie of screamers? <laughs> oh, fun, fun, fun! You should do a podcast like a, just like a twenty minute podcast where people just post like you you put something up online a place where people can post and they just throw out topics and you like each week you just pick one from the list and you just go for 20 minutes because <laughs> you'll find something to complain about or to be like to be <laughs> to be able to, to to speak to 
or to be concerned about or like, you know, find out, find an angle. <laughs> Point out the hypocrisy or the stupidity. Yeah, I, you know, and like I say, it, it's nothing. It's more I try to make it reflective. I really do because I really, you know, I'm not a perfect person for God's sake. You know, um, I'm not, this is not me that, that, that thinks he's perfect. It's more the fact that my life has changed. You know, my life really has changed. Yeah. And, and Craig, you put it very well. It's that there's these other things I really have to do. And the idea that uh, priorities change all the time. Sure. And, but, but like I say, this goes to an but emotional not for that state. guy who wants his game right now. <laughs> this, this goes to an emotional state, you know? Yeah. This 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 goes to a this this kind of goes to a, a feeling that I just don't have anymore. Well, all those all those customers who uh, don't have anything else going on, that this is the most important thing in their life. Enjoy it, enjoy it while it lasts, guys. Because well, there's that. <laughs> eventually, yeah, well, you're going to grow up and have responsibilities and yeah, and more I important think, things I think to that's worry about. Thing. And, yeah, I I sincerely hope your life gets to the point where this is not the biggest deal. <laughs> what you won't do now. You want to talk Waterloo? Sure. What's going on so with Waterloo? I, I provide, we've talked Waterloo in the past just because. Waterloo! Waterloo. Um, we have talked in the past about <laughs> the um, Have we reached the, the ABBA portion of the, the podcast now? Is that what's happening? The war portion? The, the ABBA. ABBA. Oh, ABBA. The, yeah, this is the ABBA show. <laughs> well, it's interesting to me because ABBA, there was a, there's actually a country song, too. Is it Waterloo? What, when will you meet your Waterloo? Yeah. And all this stuff. I thought that's what um, you guys were singing. No, no, there's no I wasn't singing. I was, I was quoting Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell. Waterloo. 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 That's where we'll go to Waterloo. And... It's got this place in the British mind because it's one of the great battles of their history, but it's also got a place in the international mind. Uh, just witness the fact when you go to the battlefield at Waterloo and you go to the Wellington Museum that's in the, in the village that, that gave the battle its name, at least for the British. There is a lovely map in a room that lights up and shows you all the places in the world where there are Waterloos. And one of them is in Iowa. And they actually have a little display of items that were sent to this museum from the cities. So they have a little toy John Deere tractor there, <laughs> which is which is delightful. But every time Waterloo comes up, they got tired of changing Waterloo, out the, the the rotting ear of corn every week. Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's one of those things about history that has bugged me since probably the History Channel started being the Hitler Network. <laughs> Well, the Hitler and Aliens Network. Anyway. So like 20 years ago. Hey, yeah, starting. Yeah, no, really. It's starting uh, this Tuesday, yesterday, as you're listening to this. Uh, it's now, now it's the Oak Island channel again. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> so it, it's this idea of we've got to find scandalous history or we've got to create controversial history rather than just talking about history. And this relates to an article that appeared in the Daily Whale. I mean, the Daily Mail in Britain. <laughs> And it was about a, an accredited historian by the name of Lucy Worsley. Uh, quote from the headline, BBC historian Lucy Worsley said the Battle of Waterloo was not, all caps, a British victory because Wellington completely downplayed the part played by the rest of Europe. 
I'd like to dissect that headline and because I think it fairly quickly gets to my problem. BBC historian. Well, she's she works with them, but she's not some house historian. She's got a degree from elsewhere and she teaches elsewhere. So that's really not correct. But that's I'll move on. <laughs> Says battle. This sentence doesn't make sense. It was not a British victory because Wellington downplayed the part played. Well, that wouldn't make it not a British victory. Just because Wellington downplayed it doesn't mean it what couldn't have been. There's a non sequitur right in this headline, which really bugs me. But I'm not talking about that. Was not because Wellington, that is Arthur Wellesley, the Duke of Wellington, the British commander who defeats um, Napoleon at Waterloo, June of 1815. Because Wellington completely downplayed the part played by the rest of Britain. The thing that bothers me about this is there is a truth in here that is well worth exploring, but you can't scream it. It doesn't betoken a screaming headline. And this takes me to the item that is on my very short list. And I actually had a very interesting conversation when I started screaming about this online uh, with a guy who actually might be able to pull it together and I would love to work with. It's sort of a dream project um, about the Seaborn model. And that's S-I-B-O-R-N-E of the Battle of Waterloo. The Seaborn model of the Battle of Waterloo was done by a Captain William Seaborn. He became very, very interested in the battle itself, and he wanted to recreate it. And he wanted to create it in a way that really has never been done before or since. He wanted to create this entire battle at a scale of two men per one little lead figure. I think we've talked about this. Yes, we have. That is a lot. Yeah, it's really, really big. And he went and sent, he put out public ads. He sent letters. He contacted as many surviving veterans of the Battle of Waterloo that he could find and said to them, tell me your stories. Tell me about your day in June of 1815. And he eventually came to the conclusion that he wanted to pick this moment in the afternoon of that day where it, it was a critical moment in the battlefield. And he wanted to say this at this moment is exactly what the battlefield looked like. And he collated thousands upon thousands of letters from all these commanders and all these private soldiers who communicated with him because they wanted to tell their story. And he went to the battlefield multiple times, made topographical renderings, and put together this massive model. He went out and had custom-made little lead figures that were painted exactly as the soldiers would have been at the time. Now, they're kind of crude. They're not the lovely lead figures we play with these days, but they're in scale and they're in color. And they had to be small because you still had to be able to fit them in a room you know, you couldn't put them on a, you know, on a, on a soccer field. And he puts all this together and it, it costs him a fortune. And he gets ready to put it on display. And the one thing he wants 
is to show it to the Duke of Wellington himself. To say, hey, I want your blessing. I want to say you like it. The story of the Battle of Waterloo is that Wellington, the British, is allied with the Prussians. And they are together going to fight Napoleon. There are other armies, but they're further away. Napoleon knows he can't fight them both together, so he wants to get between them and defeat them in detail. He thinks he has crushed the Prussians and sends one of his commanders to chase them and says, whatever you do, don't let them join up with the British because now I got to beat the British. Just keep pushing them, pushing them, stay between them at all costs. Well, in the afternoon of that June day, that commander fails and the Prussians enter the battlefield and tip the battle against Napoleon. The moment Seaborn chose for this monument is that moment when the Prussians arrive and start fighting and start hurting um, the flank of Napoleon's army. When Wellington sees this model for the first time, he insists that to receive his blessing, that entire portion of the battlefield with the Prussians on it be taken off. Mm. He said, nope, I don't want that. I, I, I don't want that. That's, that's not accurate. I don't want that. And Seaborn's like, what are you talking about? I have all, no, no, no. <laughs> the Duke of Wellington goes on to ruin this guy. He basically puts out, if you support this, you're not my friend. Now, the Duke of Wellington goes on to be the most powerful man in England, short of the queen. He's internationally famous. He becomes the prime minister for a bunch of years. It's the beef named after him. He gets, well, he gets boots named after him. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. You know, it's, he's, he's a big freaking deal. He's a, he is a full-on incandescent international star. And this little captain who had this idea of doing this model, he just crushes under his boot. It is a miracle that the model survives because of what it goes through. It's now at the uh, Royal Army Museum in Chelsea where I've seen it. And it is, it is truly spectacular. How the hell do they clean this thing? Uh, they, they have to. It comes apart. It's almost 200 years old. <laughs> yeah, it comes apart. It comes in pieces and you get in between the pieces. I mean, just getting the dust off of the fake grass. And oh, yeah. And no, stuff. no, no, no. It's, it, it's a process. They do it once every about five to ten years. <laughs> I love that you know that. Oh yeah, no, no. I asked the question when I was there. I asked the question when I was there. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely thing. And the, um, the thing was so. And there's actually a book about this called Wellington's Smallest Victory, uh, where he, where he goes after the Seaborn. <laughs> that story, and and Seaborn dies basically a broken, broke man. He he shat, he shattered. And Wellington goes on to this. That's an amazing story to me. That story, the story of Seaborn deserves to be told. The idea, however, that Wellington and Europe generally didn't know the Prussians were there and didn't contribute is absurd on its face. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. There is nobody to my knowledge, 
has ever argued that the Prussians did not contribute to the battle at Waterloo. Nobody has ever argued that this was solely a British victory and the Prussians, well, they were, they might as well have been on the moon. You know, it's, that's not what happened. That isn't the history. But because that story threatens to inflame the British populace, which apparently some portion of which, just like our own people, just like Americans, have this incredible sensitivity. Are you attacking our history? Are you saying we aren't good or haven't done wonderful things? No, I'm just saying that other people were there. But the point is, you're trying to whip people into a frenzy for something nobody is saying. When these agencies and these organizations enter into the field of historical inquiry, and they don't want to tell the little stories because they're not sexy, I guess. Although I think the Seaborn story, for those that would be interested in the battle, is sexy as all get out. It's a great it's story. You know, it's, it's, it's an incredible human story. It's incredible. You know, it doesn't have a happy ending. Other than the fact that the model's still here and, do, and millions of people do see it. But, you know, rather than tell that story, rather than talk about the subtleties and the nuances, no, 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 no. We have to tell the story that makes everybody angry. <laughs> even if it isn't true, even if it isn't accurate. And that to me is just the very worst way of going about history. Because you want to divide the world into good guys and bad guys. You want to deprive the world of all of its subtlety. You want to deprive uh, people of varying motivations and nuance. And, and all of that is destructive and just really, really annoying and regrettable. That just isn't who we should be. And as someone who cares a lot about the messages that history can teach, oh, I love the fact I'm looking at some of the photographs of the Seaborn mon uh, model. They actually have little cabbage patches. Who does that? <laughs> you know, there's cabbages. But it, it, it's just such a loss. And, it's, and, and that finally, I guess, would be my point. How many times are you going to be running the Waterloo article, right? It's once a year, maybe, right. if we get lucky in June or whenever. But you take that opportunity not to really teach, not to really show, but in some ways to deceive for the purposes of enraging. And that's the worst. That is contemptible. And that shouldn't be done. Now, can I stop it? Of course not. You know, it's, that's, that's not the point. But I am darn well going to tell everybody when I see garbage like that, that it's like, no, we, should, we absolutely, corporatively, collectively should demand better. Will we get better? Probably not. <laughs> because we like, to have our, we like to have our food reduced. You know, we don't want to have to chew our food. We would much rather it be reduced to uh, something approaching a puree <laughs> and, and have it pre-digested for us. But uh, yeah, yeah, no. So the Seaborn model, please, please take a moment to check it out. It is amazing. It is wonderful. Um, there's some wonderful YouTube videos about it and some other stuff. But yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't give it. Give the article a miss, and instead check out the Seaborn model and learn more about that. I'm not seeing this anywhere. But Jim, do you know what, um, what exactly it is that this quote-unquote BBC historian? has to sell like is there a book coming out like what i'm, I'm trying to 
follow the money here? Like, why oh, why sure. is this coming that's, up that's now? That's actually not an unfair question. I think it's the one we should always ask in circumstances <laughs> like this. Because it's um, like, why? What's the point? What's the point of this? Re- relitigating 200-year-old history well, for right. sensationalistic headlines, well, because obviously that this is, leads somewhere. That is honestly what a lot of people brought up. It's like, what is, what exactly was, because it's not, I will... I will pass along the obvious point and say that it's not June. Um, <laughs> you know, so I will. I'm actually going to click back to the article and see if I noticed anything. It's really cold out for June. It's almost it's, summer. It's terribly cold. And a. Yeah, I kind of skimmed the article you sent and I didn't see anything. About a book. Anyway. And, so, oh, and this is book. and this is the other thing. The 48, I'm curious to know why the age of the historian is relevant, but I'll move on. Well, see, and and this could be it. Because they have a a word count to meet. Who presents history's (laughs) biggest fibs said Britain had been badly bruised through the Napoleonic Wars and badly needed a national victory. The problem with that, the problem with that is that the British had actually won every major battle in the Peninsular War since 1809. There were six years of uninterrupted victories under who? The Duke of Wellington. That's why he becomes Wellington, because he keeps crushing the French at Salamanca, at Talavera, at Laon, and about all these other battlefields. So the idea that the British needed some sort of singular victory to raise their brute, that's nonsense. That's crazy talk. They loved this guy. <laughs> and he was the guy doing it. So, you know, I, it could be that just she's got this TV promotion that she does. She has this show, History's Biggest Fibs. But I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see a monetary motivation other than just the natural desire for synergistic self-promotion. But no, it's, it's depressing stuff. It's not what we should be doing. And there are, far, there are far better pieces to do it with. I'll just, uh, I'll just put out there for folks. Go out there and check, uh, check out a guy by the name of Professor Tony Pollard, P-O-L-L-A-R-D. He's an archaeologist uh, in Scotland. And he does a thing called Waterloo Uncovered. It's an archaeological dig of the, um, the Waterloo site. And his videos, which are all online and all available for free on YouTube, are far, far better and more informative and better history. And all his work benefits veterans. So uh, disabled veterans, particularly. So. Professor Tony Pollard. P-O-L-L-A-R-D. Not the running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Correct. That's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, he's at the university. He's a great Glaswegian. <laughs> Glade. <laughs> oh boy. Should we travel back in time another 150 years from Waterloo? Oh, thereabouts? I found a good one. <laughs> I, I, I just I I you know well, I found a good one. Talk about the diary of Samuel Peeps. Ah, oh, Sammy. Ah, oh, Sammy. Sammy the dude. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. Oh, Sam. <laughs> Wednesday. You found a good but one, this huh? Is, why do we talk about Sam? Why do we talk about this great British diarist? Because uh, he tells it like it is. High official in the, uh, the court of Charles II of England. 
This is his diary that he intended no one to read. Wednesday, 5th November, 1662. Let's jump right in because it's a bit longer. Up and with my painters, painting my dining room all day long. Junk. Yeah, different fellas. Uh Uh-oh. Not stirring out at all. Only in the morning, my lady Batten did send to speak with me and told me very civilly that she did not desire nor hope I did, that anything should pass between us but what was civil. Though there was not the neighborliness between her and my wife that was fit to be. And so complained of my maid's mocking of her when she called Nan to her maid within her own house, my maid Jane in the garden overheard her and mocked her and some such other things, other like things she told me and of my wife's speaking unhandsomely of her, to all which I did give her a very respectful answer, such as did please her, and am sorry indeed that this should be, though I did not desire that there should be any acquaintance between my wife and her. (laughs) But I promised to avoid such words and passages for the future of home. And by and by, Sir William Penn did send for me to his bedside and tell me how really Sir J. Minns is resolved to have one of my rooms and that he was very angry and hot and said he would speak to the Duke. To which, knowing that all this was but to scare me and to get him to put off his resolution of making up the entry, I did tell him plainly how I did not value his anger more than he did mine and that I should be willing to do what the Duke commanded. And I was sure to have justice of him. And that was all I did say to him about it. Though I was much vexed. And after a little stay went home and there telling my wife, she did put me into heart and resolve to offer him to change lodgings and believe there that would one way or the other bring some end of this dispute. At night, I called up my maids and schooled Jane, who did answer me so humbly and drolly about it that though I seemed angry, I was much pleased with her and my wife also. So at night, to bed. This is one day in this man's <laughs> life. Putting out fires. Uh, can you imagine? <laughs> You're in your house. So we, we start the day, right? And, uh, you know, we're just, we're just hanging out. And what's he doing all day? He's painting. He's up there getting himself spackled and- I don't know if he's putting any tape down or anything, <laughs> but he's painting. Well, you know, you got to start by cutting everything in, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to cut it in. You got to tape it <laughs> off. You got to make sure your tarps are down. Move all the furniture to the middle of the room. Yeah, put yeah, yeah the, the usual. <laughs> and that's what he did all day long. That's That was his whole day. And this is a Wednesday. So this is a work day. I'm kind of like, I kind of blew off work so he could paint the house. <laughs> Only in the morning, Lady Batten, who all we know lives next door to him. That's all we really know about. Have we, we've not heard of her before? No, no. Okay. She has not showed up. Lady, and this is Lady Elizabeth Batten. That's her. You know, she uh, she doesn't, uh, doesn't show up much, really, other than the fact that she's a neighbor. She told me very civilly that she did not desire, nor hope that I did, that anything should pass between us but what was civil. We've all had this conversation, haven't we? Now, now, Craig. I want it to be good with us, right? 
Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. We're, we're good. We're, we're cool. We're cool. Yeah, you sure? <laughs> we're, we're sure because you know darn well you're not. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing cool here at all. But the person's come over and started the conversation with, "We're cool here, right? <laughs> we're good, right? We're good, right? There's, there's, there's no." And said, and and of course, Sam, being the the repress that he is, is like, "Oh God, what? <laughs> now, now what? Yeah, what? Yeah, you know what?" Your, I, I, I have, at, I've never mentioned this, but I have at times imagined Sam, like he looks like George Costanza. Sure. You know, like his hair's falling out. He's a little chubby. Like he doesn't take good care of himself. And now he's just kind of rubbing his head. <laughs> <laughs> so this woman uh, no, no. And this is, this is the wife of a knight. So it's nobody he can blow off. Yeah. She's got some clout, you know. Nor hope that anything should, that was not civil, though there was not the neighborliness between her and my wife that was fit to be. So, so great. This is, this is the missus. And so she's saying, you know, your wife, you know, I want us to be good, but your wife, she's not. She's a bit of a pill. Bit of death. Oh, what a great <laughs> word. Yes. She kind of, she kind of gave me a puss yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to her and she kind of looked at me and she kind of had a puss on. She had a puss on. My my mother, my sainted mother, would have said she was a little pilly. <laughs> she was a little wife's pilly a bit, to me. Wife's a bit of a pill, isn't she? And so complained of my maids mocking of her. So now this is the best part of the whole thing. So now, so now, clearly, what we're to understand is that the that the missus doesn't like her one little bit. Yeah. And now she's getting Jane in on it because this is Jane. Yeah, Jane's got Jane's got the ladies got got her her Sammy's wife's back. Like yep. <laughs> Jane's there backing her up. Yeah, you suck. When, <laughs> so when you suck, lady Ben, you suck. <laughs> when she called Nan to her maid within her own house, which is a which is a derisive way of referring to someone. You know, it's like you it. I guess the closest would be girl or boy or something like that. You know, you know, it, it's a diminutive way of addressing someone. Okay. Within her, with, within her own house. Now you'll notice that Lady Batten made that specific reference. Samuel, when I said it, I was in my own home. You come it, into my house and you, you were, speak like that. Yeah. You, you were, you were hearing you were your wife was eavesdropping on my home my maid jane in the garden overheard her and mocked her we don't it doesn't say how and some other such she told me <laughs> and of my wife speaking unhandsomely of her we can only oh nan 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 <laughs> And of my wife's speaking. So now the missus and the maid are both down on Lady Batten. <laughs> to all of... <laughs> giving her the so, nines. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, they're, make, they're making so, fun of her and they're, they're turning toward the window and going, Nan! You know? yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, like so when I was Making kid, sure she be, hears it. They were ripping on her. Yes. Yeah. In her hacking own house. Why are you hacking on her? <laughs> Why are you hacking on me? This is it's awesome. Like, and so, and so, so the missus is calling. You can imagine that the Samuel's wife is calling to Jane, Nan, come here, Nan. Yes, mother, you know, all that stuff. And some <laughs> other unhandsome things, which is great. So, so and you could just, 
just like you said, George Costanza. Sam's hearing all this. Cohen, and oh, okay, because this is what I got to deal with today. Okay, my, yeah, this is this is George with his head in his hands as his yeah. mom is complaining about something. <laughs> this, this what, what? How is this my problem? Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's <laughs> At what level am I involved? Yeah. Um, to all of which. I did give her a very respectful answer, such as did please her, and I'm sorry. And then, so such as did please her, we should really put a period there. So she's happy. And he then says internally, I think, I am, in, I am sorry indeed that this should be, though I do not desire that there should be any acquaintance between my wife and her. <laughs> we need to keep these two separated. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, just, 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 dear wife, no, just don't with this woman. Do not. Okay? No quit. But I promise to avoid such words and passages for the future. He makes so a lot home. of promises. So home. Sam really makes a lot of promises. He does. He's, He's gonna... always trying to make himself better. He's always like, and I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to do that. I swear. I swear. I swear. So home and by and by, Sir William Penn did send for me to his bedside. Okay, and again, this is this is that same William Penn we've run into a number of times before. This is the father of William Penn who founds Pennsylvania. Calls me to his bedside. Now we find out earlier he's been ill. He's got uh, he's got some illness. And tell me how readily Sir J. Minnis did resolve to have one of my rooms. Now, it will be remembered that Sam is living in government housing, essentially, because he's a high-level government official. Okay? This is, he is a, he is not, the, the Jay Minnis that he is crossing up with is no small matter. This is Sir John Minnis. Uh, he was an English naval officer who went on to become the comptroller of the Navy. So this is a direct, a direct competitor to Sam. Worse, he was, a, he was considered quite the wit. He was a comedian. His comedic and satirical verses, which were, um, were his. Worse still, Sam, he is Sam's boss. So he's, he's smart, he's funny, he's probably better looking than sam and he's yep. his boss he cuts a dash now sam doesn't like him as a bureaucrat where he thinks here here and this is why sam is so great sam loves him as a social companion he thinks he's a blast to hang out with but in his job he thinks he absolutely sucks. <laughs> and he is all over the diary. He calls him a coxcomb. <laughs> he calls him a dolt. He calls him a dotard. He calls him a fool. A good, honest, harmless gentleman, not fit for office. But when he gets out on the town and starts writing poetry and starts singing songs and all these other things, it's just, he's, he's the best. 
And that's what makes this anecdote so much fun. He did resolve to have one of my rooms and that he was very angry and hot and said he would speak to the Duke. He wants one of the rooms that Sam and his family are living in, in the government housing. And he's going to go straight to the boss. This is James Stewart, future freaking king of England. And he's going to try to get that room. He thinks he's got that much pull with the freaking Duke, the Duke of York, that he can take Sam's room from him. Sam, you're missing the golden opportunity here, Sam. (laughs) To which, knowing that all this was but to scare me, knowing Sam, it did scare him. (laughs) And to get him to put off his resolution of making up the entry, I did tell him plainly how I did not value his anger more than he did mine, and that I should be willing to do what the Duke commanded. And I was sure to have justice of him. And that was all I did say to him about it. Okay, folks, we've all done this. You're in a situation where you're in a conflict and someone's going to go to the boss and you want to make sure that whoever talks to the boss about it Here's the right thing. So you don't fight. You say, I'm sure whatever the Duke decides will be fine, perfect, and fair. Yep. <laughs> it will be fine. But Sam's sentence doesn't end there. It has a comma. <laughs> comma. Though I was much vexed. Yeah, he's vexed a lot. <laughs> he has that much That dude vexed. gets vexed so much. That's a he word is, that has come up quite a lot. He is vexed. He is vexed. So he tells, and you, you know, your George Costanza thing is getting better by the minute. <laughs> I'm, vexed, tells Jerry, pa- I'm vexed. I'm vexed. Oh, she's getting vexed. Vexed, Jerry. She's getting vexed. Vexed. He tells, he tells Penn to his face, tell the Duke, hey, I'm good. I'm good. Whatever he thinks, I'm good. But then he goes to Jerry, Jerry, I'm vexed. I am very vexed. <laughs> And after a little stay, went home, and they're telling my wife she did put me into heart and resolved to offer him to change lodgings. So he goes home and the missus goes, sweetie, sweetie. So we change rooms. So we do. Let's just do it. I won't be mad. Let's not have a fight. Yeah, yeah. You move to different lodgings away from Lady Batten. This <laughs> solves your problem. Yeah. This couldn't have happened on, on, on a better ben day. Just solved your problem. <laughs> you want you be the good guy, you be the hero, the gracious guy, and no longer next to Lady Batten. Oh, come on, Sam. But the problem is the big wraparound thing, and Sam doesn't even say it. What did he do all day? Paint. He was painting these rooms. Yeah. So what? He spent all day painting the rooms, and then Penn comes by and tells him, yeah, you might have to move. (laughs) And now he's got newly painted rooms to hold over the head of this a-hole who comes in, and now he's going to have to owe him a favor. I painted painted the place up nice for you. How about you show me a little something? Boss. (laughs) 
this is gold. I don't see the problem. <laughs> and and you get away from Lady Patton. This is this is win win win. Yeah. Come on, Sam. What are you doing? Killing me. <laughs> wow. You're breaking. You're breaking my balls, Sam. Come on now. And then and then how he ends it so well. At night, I called up my maids and schooled Jane, who did answer me so humbly and drolly about it, that though I seemed angry, I was much pleased with her <laughs> and my wife also. I can't help but think that when Jane has given her that, him that humble, droll answer, he's getting wood. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, well, he's... He's he's doing the like don't ever do that again. Wink. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> yes. He he doesn't really mean that. He's now like, yeah. now Beaver, you know that, that that thing you that bad thing you did to Eddie Haskell was wrong, right? <laughs> but we're all laughing about it anyway, because he's Eddie and he deserved it. <laughs> Gee, Dad. Yeah. 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 So and then and then of course, and then, and then of course, so at night to bed. I really wish we would have had more Lady Batten up to this point. I feel like we've missed out on the nosy neighbor <laughs> for this for this sitcom. I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. She pops up Where, once, maybe she right before they in. move. Yeah. The uh, or you just skipped over those entries. For all we know, there's been a whole bunch of stuff. Lady Batten. Yeah, there there could there there certainly could and Jim's just have... skipped that stuff. Yeah, no, I mean it. It you you could well be right. I I'm mean, just gonna be... fill that in in my head. He, this is like the seventeenth. <laughs> episode of dealing with her that's <laughs> like where she moved in and she was great for one episode like for one diary entry like oh lady <laughs> sir whatever and lady batten moved in and they were delightful and oh blah, my blah, god blah, the picture. and then and then the next day hell begins and it, she just keeps cropping up we just haven't covered it in my, my in my personal head canon for what's happening here that's that's how i picture she's always been there i picture <laughs> sam going going to the door and opening the door and it's lady batten and i picture him like al bundy opening the door and finding marcy standing there and how he just yeah. turns around and walks away leaving the door open like why, why are historians great people because they keep track this way there is an entire thread on one of the websites i follow of the relationship between peeps and lady batten really allow me allow me to give you only the first time they crossed up <laughs> Sunday, 30th March, 1662. Easter day, no less. Having my old black suit new furnished, I was pretty neat in clothes today. And my boy, his old suit new trimmed, very handsome. So he's going with his guy to church. To church in the morning and so home, leaving the two Sir Williams and to take the sacrament, which I blame myself that I have hitherto neglected all my life, Sam! I never read that before! Sam apparently was ducking out of church his whole life because he didn't want to <laughs> hang around for the Eucharist. Because they have all that fellowship yapping at the end. Where you so, gotta talk but no, to people. But Craig, you know this. Why mm. do you go to why must you go to church? To get into heaven. Well, no, 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 no. That's the <laughs> theology from a government perspective. Oh, sure. It's it's schmoozing. He's they're, he's, they're taking role. They check you in. Yeah. If you don't show up, you go on the suspicion list. Yeah. Due to Catholic. Hmm. 
So he goes to church to get checked in and bails for the sacrament, <laughs> which I blame myself. <laughs> I have hitherto neglected all my life. Oh my, wow. <laughs> that is an incredible revelation. <laughs> I, you Wait, know, why is- I really ought to get around to taking the Eucharist. I don't know. <laughs> He's turning down free wine. Oh, Sam. No, okay. it would have been Eutroquist. So it's just the bread. Oh, but it's, it's, but still, you just, you just, yeah, I really should get around to that. <laughs> anyway, dined with my wife, a good shoulder of veal, well-dressed by Jane and handsomely served, which pleased us much. My wife and I to church in the afternoon, it is, it is Easter, and seated ourselves, she below me, and by that means the precedence of the pew. Here we go. Which my lady Batten and her daughter takes is confounded. That's confusing. Socially speaking, how you sit in a given pew is determined by your status in society. And the first time we meet Lady Batten, she and her daughter are doing it wrong. Assumed that they were above Sam and his wife. Oh yeah, there we go. This is perfect. That's this is how it begins. <laughs> and after sermon. She and I did stay behind them in the pew you think and went out by her <laughs> and went out by ourselves a good while after them, which we judge a very fine project hereafter to avoid contention. <laughs> so, Sa- so Sam doesn't want his wife because the wives, I'm, I'm being a little generalization sexist, but the wife is the one that obviously doesn't like Lady Batten. Yeah. That's clear. And Sam knows that because Lady Batten has taken precedence, his, he's going to hear about it from his wife. So he's like, oh, God, we have to stay here. Don't, don't let them cross up. They'll talk to each other. <laughs> talk to each other. He thinks she's better than us, Sam. What are you going to do about that? Sam, sweetie, sweetie, no. Not right now. We're in church. Did you see, did you see where she sat? She sat above yeah, us I in did. precedence. I, in the, she in the said, I know. I know. She doesn't even know us. Why would, she, know, why would you do that? Why would you assume? I don't. It's not like you were wearing a big name tag or anything. I was, <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know who you are. This, this, but does she understand who you work for? Does she know who your patron is? Does she? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, why not? Why not, George Costanza? I'm working on it here. <laughs> oh, maybe you should wear a name tag. She probably thinks you're just some little chucka. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> wow. So yeah, it was contentious right from the get from the beginning. That's great. I'm gonna have to go back and read that that stuff. That sounds like fun. We that's... could do like a we could do a radio play out of that. We could turn this into like a sitcom. <laughs> just just that stuff. Just the contention the contention with the. Lady Batten neighbor. We'll just throw the stuff in between each scene. Oh, oh that's hysterical. <laughs> okay, good stuff. And uh well I can't I, I can't I can't stop. I, I have to well make a note to yourself, Craig. That earlier that when was that earlier date? That earlier date was the ninth. What was that one? March. Yeah, how, how long? How long between these two episodes? March thirtieth, sixteen sixty-two was the first one. The Easter thing. Yeah. Yeah, the Easter thing. One year later. So this is one best. year by yeah. one year later. <clears throat> there was a story that leads into this. This is tenth March. This is literally one year later. 
10th March, 1663. Something else happens. We won't go into it. All this I am pleased to hear that da, da, da. dined upon a poor Lenten dinner at home. My wife being vexed at the <laughs> fray this morning with my lady Batten. <laughs> so they didn't have they, to move. They came to blow. No, no, this is the, the moving is later. Okay. They came to blows. <laughs> About my boys going thither to turn the weathercock with their maid's leave, but my lady was mighty high upon it, and she would teach his mistress better manners, which my wife answered aloud that she might hear, that she could learn little manners of her. (laughs) 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 Pot calling the kettle black kind of arguments. It's like, Uh you could learn manners. I could learn little manners of you. Oh, God. (laughs) So they came to blows. Great. Nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, so so Lady Batten. Boy, oh boy, that's that's I, I I will admit I'm still a little more taken aback that Sam for some reason never took the Eucharist. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like that's big. And his answer about that is what really crushes me, which is I really should. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many other times do you think he's written that in the diary? Yeah, right. (laughs) I should like three years earlier. I should really because you're talking. I should really save my soul. (laughs) I don't I don't know what the exact service would be. I'm not certainly no expert there. But my guess is it's probably another 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. He's just been ducking it (laughs) for all the years of his life. Oh, but Lady Batten, apparently that how we missed that whole thread line, I suppose, was just because we were punching around the diary well, by accident. That's that's right? okay. And we're just, we're like happy accidents. You discover things every so often. That was lovely. Yeah. We, oh, Lady Batten, we love you. Thank you so much for joining us. We finally found you. <laughs> She's going to be like, I, I picture her like Mrs. Akmonic from ALF. So, oh my. so that, so that Sammy can be, uh, can be Willie. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that exasperated middle management looking guy, you know? <laughs> Oh, Mrs. Akmonic. Wow. Yeah. Been, hadn't heard that name in a while. It's uh, played by the same actress who plays Jerry's mom on the show. Really? Yep. Oh, my God. You're right. That's the same actress. Yep. Can't think of her name. No. But anywho, uh, do we have a question or are we? Uh, you guys got time for one? We can do it do quickly. quickly. Yeah, that'd okay. be great. Here we go. 176 question. Kevin asks, I have been in an argument with what I can best describe as an insane person. And I need a ruling. Are sandals shoes, or are they their own category of footwear? Thanks, Kevin. I've long thought, I I don't know an answer. I have thought about them as a separate category. Craig. Uh, That's a a good question. I, I don't know. I would think they're a separate category. Because I think if you follow simple rules of definition, I can come up with enough distinguishing characteristics of a sandal over a shoe to make clear the distinction between them. Although this dictionary here calls them a light shoe with either an open work upper uh-huh. or straps attached to this sole, attaching the sole to the foot. As, as I say, I, light I didn't know. Shoe. I did not know, but... I'm just going to go with, uh, let's see, what's the, what's the technical definition of a shoe? There it is. 
covering for the foot, typically made of leather, having a sturdy sole and not reaching above the ankle. Sandal is a shoe. Okay. Sandal is a covering for the foot, typically made of leather, having a sturdy sole, not reaching above the ankle. But most sandals don't cover the foot entirely. It doesn't say it covers the foot. It is a covering for the foot. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't doesn't imply that it's a complete covering. To be honest, you know. I would define a shoe as a solid covering of the uh, for the foot. Yeah, and, and, there, and, and therefore too, a sandal that, is that not was a shoe. My, but I but I understand, and I was that it was in my head. What does the dictionary say? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I take no offense at either, but I still think I will I will likely go when my way to the to the grave, uh, thinking a sandal and a shoe the same. You want the female uh, perspective on this? Hey. It is uh is a sandal a shoe or is it own, is it its own uh, separate category of footwear? It's a shoe. A sandal's a shoe. Okay. Okay. A go. sandal is a shoe, but, but a flip flop is not. A flip flop is distinct from a sandal. Ooh. No, a flip flop is a trip hazard. <laughs> a flip flop <laughs> is something no one should wear. Nay nay. <laughs> It'll keep your feet clean in the uh, public. Uh, the public uh, shower room in a pinch, but otherwise it's no. a trip hazard. See, I, I, I look, I'm not a fan of them at all for anything other than this one purpose, but that's what Crocs are for. I have a pair of Crocs. Their sole purpose in life, their sole reason to exist is so that I can go to public swim areas or showers, as you say. When I hear about, I never really watched a lot of Ralphie May. I've seen bits and pieces, but he does a bit on flip flops. That is great, which is basically, and that's where I get the trip hazard thing from is that flip flops, like you can't run in them. They're okay to walk, but you can't run in flip flops because you're just going to trip and fall and hurt yourself. Yep. Um, And he said like, you know, here I am walking down the street in flip flops. He's calling them flippy flops and he's like, I got flippy flops and there's a house on fire and there's a little girl up in the third floor window screaming for help, help, help. It's like, I'm sorry, little girl. I can't save you. Flippy flops. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So did did we decide sandals or shoes, but flip flops or not? It's a shoe. Yeah, sandals a shoe. A flip flop is, uh, I don't know what you would categorize that as. Flip flop is is in whatever category cross. Doesn't cover around. enough of the foot. It's it's more of a utility thing than a, uh, a physical characteristic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a it's just to keep your feet off the dirty floor. Yeah. Because I was I thought about that I when a, I read I this. I, I wondered where where Crocs fit into all of this. So thank you, Jim, for covering that. Um, yeah. No. I, I I to Craig's point, Crocs have a very specific utility to me. Okay, so shoes and sandals you can you can transpose Kevin. Numbers you cannot because this is number uh one sixty seven question, Kevin, not one seventy six. <laughs> you typed wrong. It's you flip it, the numbers. It should have been one sixty seven. Oops. <laughs> All right, well there you go. There's your answer, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Jim. <sighs> Thank you. This is fun. Yeah, Jim, thank you for uh, for coming on the episode. Um, Mike, Craig, where can they find us? They can find us at NerdBurgerShow.com, at NerdBurgerShow, on the Twitters and the Facebook. Email us with some piece of information that I asked you to email us earlier in the show and forgot. NerdBurgerShow at gmail.com. And? 
you can go to nerdburgergames.com to uh, see what the game stuff is that I'm working on. You can go to drivethroughrpg.com to buy that game stuff. Um, and actually, if you go to the store, the web store on nerdburgergames.com right now, I went ahead and put them up there. You can, you can, if you missed the Kickstarter for Good Strong Hands, you can get the the game pre-order basically, so that you can be angry when I have to delay it. Um, <laughs> but you can pre-order the PDF or the hardcover with the PDF. Um, same prices as what it would have been for the Kickstarter. You can do that right now and I can keep track of you and add you to the list and, and print extra books to make sure you get a hardcover. Yay! Woo! <laughs> On the next episode of Nerdburger, Mike and Craig have two guests duke it out for their amusement during episode 400 that's right next week is episode 400 so we thought we'd have a thunderdome kind of thing two guests enter <laughs> one guest leaves or possibly no guests that's possible yeah 400 dome 400 dome 400 wow that's a lot of episodes it's one every day for a whole year and then another month and then another um, part of a week. <laughs> Very astute, Mike. Thank you. All right. That should do it. Bye. Thanks again, Jim. Oh, hey. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Lady Batten. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Okay. What time is it? Holy cow. Well, whoa. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've, you've missed the first half hour of uh, day one of Pat Oswalt's uh, marathon of bad movies. That's okay. I can find all those movies elsewhere. Yeah. I don't have to watch them. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen. Okay. Take care, please. Take it easy. See you. Bye-bye. Bye.